This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Everything we talk about today will have to do with Richard Pitino being fired as Gophers men's basketball coach on Monday night. This move had been anticipated for several days now, but now it is official. Richard Pitino not coming back as Gophers men's basketball coach. I'll talk to Jim Suhan in just a little bit uh, for his thoughts on this. He had a column, uh, Tuesday's paper and StarTribune.com. But first, not quite what did I miss. I always say that. Um, More of a, here are five things I'm thinking about in regards to this firing. Kind of five questions um, I'll get to a bunch of your questions, too. You had a lot of good ones on Twitter for me. I'll get to those after we talk to Jim Suhan. But uh, yeah, first, I've got some questions of my own that I, I think I can ask and answer. Um, number one, what might have saved Richard Pitino's job? H- how would he? How would there be an alternate reality right now in which Richard Pitino wakes up Tuesday morning and is still the men's basketball coach um, without much of a doubt even at, at the University of Minnesota. Um, now, here's a couple things I'm, I'm thinking about. One, how much did this year play into it? How Could he have saved his job this season had he gone, you know, 500 down the stretch and got into the NCAA tournament? Even, even if they get in and lose an NCAA tournament game, is that enough for him to keep his job? Or... Was this a move that was more telegraphed a while ago? Like, do you, was there a was there a program kind of overhaul needed, kind of regardless of how this season ended? Now, obviously, like if they you know get into the tournament, keep keep playing the way they did early in the season and make it to the Sweet Sixteen or something, you're not going to fire Richard Pitino. But could this have kind of could the late season slide have made Mark Coyle's preferred task easier you remember last year it was kind of a tense finish to the season but he he it's possible he would have been let go a year ago would have been fired a year ago if not for the pandemic right um you know mark coyle said we we appreciate what he's done we we expect this team to to function at a championship level all of those things that was almost exactly a year ago when they were going to come up short of the NCAA tournament, but you know the pandemic hit, everything gets canceled, nothing happens. So with that in mind, what what could have saved his job? Well, I think the thing that we've talked about with various people on this podcast already before you know before the the firing became official, as we anticipated it, was the inconsistency of Patino's teams and the, the lack of depth and recruiting really really hurt them. So I think the way he could have saved his job is putting together more than one good season in a row. You had these kind of you had these peaks and valleys with Patino. He gets the job really young, you know, 30 years old. And Herod's a pretty good team though, right? You know, it's the Tubby Smith won a tournament game before he was fired uh, in 2013. Richard Patino comes in, wins the NIT, right? That was a good team. Um, but next season, you know, they kind of regress. His third season there, you know, all sorts of problems on the court, off the court. But then they rally, and they play better. They, they make the NCAA tournament. They lose to, to uh, Middle Tennessee State. The year that really hurt Patino was last season. You know, I'm talking about 2019, 2020, not the one that just finished up. If he has a good year that season, let's say even, let's say Amir Coffey stays for his senior season instead of going to... You know, join, trying to trying to make it to the NBA, which he did, by the way. So I don't think we should begrudge Amir Coffey. I think Amir Coffey made the right decision. But let's say Amir Coffey stays. They make another trip to the tournament or look like they're going to 
um, when things are shut down a year ago. Then you've got some program momentum built. Maybe you can sustain whatever happens this year. But instead, it's that up-down, up-down, up-down pattern. So I feel like more consistency might have saved his job. But in the end, I don't know how close this one was. I think maybe that the way that these this season finished with just the, the massive slide and the injuries to Gabe Kalsher and Liam Robbins, I think they made Mark Coyle's job a lot easier. Second question you may have. Why am I saying fired when the University of Minnesota press release says parted ways? Well, pretty simple, because he was fired. Whenever you are involuntarily removed from your job, which is exactly what happened uh, with time remaining on your contract, uh, that's a firing. Mark Coyle made it abundantly clear in his own quote that I recently met with Richard and told him we were moving in a different direction. That's a firing, folks. That's a firing. That's not parted ways. That's a firing. Third question, does Mark Coyle already know who he is going to hire as the new head coach, even if that hasn't been announced yet? I'm curious about this one because I think it's possible that they already know who they're going to hire. The deliberateness of this was in part because they're waiting to see if Patino gets the job with New Mexico or not, waiting to see you know how, how the timing of everything plays out, how they can kind of finesse the wording of all this. But I would not be surprised if this hire happens relatively quickly. And if, I don't think we're ever going to know this, but I would not be surprised if Mark Coyle knows right now, as of Tuesday morning, who he is going to hire as the new head coach of the Gophers men's basketball team. Okay, fourth thing. So if Coyle knows, who is it? Um, that I don't know. And I don't even know if he knows at this point. He might still be sorting through the best possible candidates, trying to you know come up with a plan A, a plan B, a plan C even possibly. I don't think he's going that far, though, if he's, if he's gone this far to make this decision. It seems like he's known he's going to do this for at least a few weeks and probably longer. I don't know who it's going to be. We've talked about a lot of the names already. Brian Dutcher coaching at San Diego State. He's an alum. Eric Musselman, again, someone uh, familiar here, son of former Gophers and Timberwolves coach Bill Musselman. had a lot of success. You know, Craig Smith, Dennis Gates from Cleveland State, Nico Medved, Porter Mosier. We've talked about all these names. I don't know which one of those it's going to be. You know, Jim Suhan and I are going to talk in just a little bit about kind of what kind of candidate makes sense, but... I don't know who it's going to be, and I'm not 100% sure Mark Coyle knows who it's going to be yet, but those are the names out there. I think there's a lot of good directions you could go. Um, what we don't want to see is a situation like the one where Patino got hired, right, where they're they're firing through a bunch of different names, then they're down to, you know, this person turned them down, this person isn't taking the job, this, this was the pie in the sky, we thought we could get him, but we couldn't. Now we're stuck. I don't think they're going to get there with Coyle. Coyle seems like a much more focused person. He has gotten the person for the job that he has targeted in a lot of these big searches, including P.J. Fleck. Maybe it's a Fleck-type hire. We'll see. But uh, but that, that part of it remains to be seen. But like I said, I would not be surprised if he is at least very close to knowing who he is going to hire already at this point. Last question, kind of a program question. Can any coach have success here? You watch Patino have some ups and downs. He won some battles in recruiting. I mean, we talked about Amir Coffey came here. You know, Danny Latouru came here. They both had really good careers. Jordan Murphy was kind of a diamond in the rough, but they took him and made him into a very good college basketball player. But can you have a, a more sustained level of success here? And, you know, I, the short answer is yes, of course, right? This is, you know, any, any program can get to that level, but is it as easy to do as it is at a place like Wisconsin? Can they even get to a level like Iowa, where they seem to be more consistently competitive every year? That's a good question. 
I think there's the, the, new, the new coach will have more advantages than Richard Pitino had coming in, has the practice facility already built, you know, has the infrastructure in place with a, you know, a more focused athletic director uh, than Richard Pitino inherited when he got here. Um, so I think it's possible, but there's some challenges here. Like, you know, Chip Scoggins was on uh, a few days ago talking about this is a bottom of the Big Ten job, t- bottom half at least. You know, it's not the worst job, but it's not the best job. It's not even the seventh best job probably. It's, it's you know, in that 8, 9, 10 range. So you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be getting the cream of the crop coach or, or at least like the you got to set your expectations at a certain level. And, you know, you're going to be competing with a lot of really, really, really good programs every year. So can you break into that consistent space where you're, you know, more often, you know, swimming in that kind of three, four, five, six area and hoping to get into number one, you know, every few years as opposed to, you know, kind of treading water in that seven, eight, nine range and hoping that your high water mark is more four or five. That's the question. There's certainly the talent in this state, and we'll get to a question about why they haven't been able to, to recruit better in this state in a little bit. But until it happens, we, we can't say it's going to happen because it's been more than two decades since Clem Haskins was fired. And it's, it's, you know, we're talking about a program that's kind of spun its wheels ever since then for various reasons. So until it happens, you can't say it's, it's about to happen. You can say it can happen, I think, and that's fair. But until it happens, we don't know what the secret formula is. Maybe this new coach will find it. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. All right, continuing our coverage right now of Richard Pitino departure from the University of Minnesota, Jim Suhan with me. Jim, welcome to Daily Delivery. You have a column in Tuesday's paper. Talk me through that a little bit, and we can get into a bunch of different subjects on the, uh, on, on the subject of Richard Pitino here. Well, it certainly feels like it's time to try something new, uh, you know, and uh, it's funny how these decisions get made. These are million dollars, sometimes tens of million dollars decisions. And it really feels like sometimes it's just a gut feeling that leads to the final decision. You could defend Patino with because of injuries. Uh, you can say he not that long ago beat Louisville in the NCAA tournament and might have had a chance to beat Michigan State if, if Jordan Murphy had been healthy. But Let's face it, we've all been watching this team the last couple of months. We've all gotten the feeling that it just isn't working right now. Let's remember the circumstances here. Uh, University of Minnesota hired uh, a really horrible human being to be their athletic director. So you're saying, you know, the guy, it was, it's time, it was time for him to get, it was time for him to go eight years. You know, we kind of saw what he had to right. offer, but, you know, if, think about how he was hired, right? I mean, it was not yeah. the best, best circumstances, right? Right. Uh, in fact, there are horrible circumstances. I mean, listen, the, to start with, Richard Pino probably should not have been at Minnesota. Uh, this is a, you know, should be a decent job. It's in a brutal league. And he hired, you know, Norwood Teague hired a 30-year-old guy with one year of head coaching experience to come in and go up against people like Tom Izzo. Given those circumstances and given who Norwood Teague turned out to be, and given that Norwood Teague you know, fired Tubby Smith thinking that he could get somebody better. Patino did okay, you know? I mean, you can't say he did spectacularly well. He didn't. But he did about the same, you know, as like Dan Monson, who's a pretty good 
college basketball coach. Right. Now he didn't do that much worse than Tubby Smith did. Uh, so given the circumstances, given who hired him, I don't think we should just sit around either bashing Patino for what he did or presuming that, you know, you're automatically going to be hire somebody, somebody better. Of course, you know, this all leads to Mark Coyle. Right. Mark Coyle's expertise should be in college basketball. He worked at yeah. Kentucky, he worked at Syracuse. And listen, I think a lot of us doubted that he would be able to go out and hire somebody who could outperform Jerry Kill and Tracy Clays. And hey, PJ Fleck didn't come in and do it immediately, but he did eventually produce you know, one of the great college football seasons in Minnesota history. Right. So it's, you know, the pressure's on Coyle, but this should be up his alley where Norwood Teague was pretending he was a college basketball genius. You know, Mark Coyle should be able to get somebody pretty good. And, you know, he, he probably should be, he should be able to get somebody far more qualified than Richard Patino ever was. When you put it that way, it's almost a surprise that not that Patino got fired, but that he lasted eight seasons. I mean, right. if you think eight about seasons it with his lack of experience and coaching in this league, I mean, you know, the guy, the guy hung in there, you know, and it wasn't perfect. And we can, we can criticize him on all kinds of different levels, but that he, he, he really stepped into a, a bear trap and he kind of, kind of hung in there for a while. Especially, you know, considering coil was hired, what, you know, four years ago or so. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly the timeline of it, but there were, there were seasons that seemed like they were, they were, there were Patino's job was very precarious. And he, he ever, every time he had one of those seasons, it kind of felt like he, he pulled it out and, and had a really good season. It kind of seemed like they were doing that again this season until they, until they weren't right. It was, it was the injuries yep. and it was the, you know, you, you wondered how long he could hang in there. And I, you know, I do wonder, and I'm gonna talk about this a little bit too, um, you know, just, how how this season might have played out differently and and you know where Coyle's head was in terms of how much emphasis he was putting on the last two months versus body of work. Right. Um I mean what what Patino and his team did early in the Big Ten season, winning all those those games against top 10 teams, teams that we still think very highly of, it was pretty remarkable. I and I think what got Patino this year was what was bound to get him eventually. And that is combination of not getting enough of the, you know, very good college basketball prospects coming out of Minnesota. Even if you don't think he's going to get the blue chip like Jalen Suggs, you'd like to see him get a few more good players locally. And what, and that ended up contributing to a lack of depth. Um, Again, you know, he had two NCAA, good NCAA tournament teams that didn't have their their best player healthy. That's bad luck. But I think we also saw that as they had to slug their way through Big Ten season, sometimes they just didn't have enough good players, and one injury could doom them. Yeah, that's true. And that we and the thing we thought was that this year might be their one of their deepest teams because yeah. they had all those transfers, they had players come back, you had Marcus Carr, and then it just it, by the end of the season, even you know even before the injuries really hit them, they were still looking like they. The, the depth that we thought they had just wasn't there. So yeah, just in, in the end, it was, I don't know if, I don't know so much that he came up short. It was, he, I think, I think you're right in that he kind of matched expectations. It's just that expectations shouldn't have been that high for a 30 year old coach who had, you know, basically one year of, of head coaching experience before he got a big 10 job. 
Yes. Uh, he was hired under, he was hired when he shouldn't have been hired. He was hired under difficult circumstances. He was hired to coach in a brutally tough league and he's hired to coach at a place that, you know, if we really want to be honest, hasn't been consistently good since Jim Dutcher left. I mean, if, if, if you want to, you know, Clem Haskins had a great knack for building up to a really good season but, you know, how much do we say Clem was a really good coach? How much do we say, well, he was kind of cheating his way to get to those points? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I do think Clem is a very good coach. Yeah, he coached but basketball. It's, hard to give him, it's just hard to give him full credit. Right. And if you look at his record with, you know, some of the victories vacated, he didn't do that much different than uh, Richard Pitino. You know, it's sure. just we remember the glory years. Right. So so this is a tough this is a tough job. I, But even as I say all that, I do think Coyle – uh, given some of the people we know would like this job, given some of the people who have Minnesota connections would like this job, and given the fact that Coyle has connections throughout the basketball world, you, you get the sense that he'll be able to hire somebody pretty good for this. So if you're, if you're making this decision, you're, you're Mark Coyle, who I don't even necessarily need a name, but you can, you can give me two or three names if you want. But what, what kind of coach do you want in, in this job? Because you can kind of go a lot of different ways right now. And, you know, maybe you're limited by money and to a certain degree, you're limited to a certain degree by how attractive this job is. But it's not like you don't have any options if you're Mark Coyle. So what kind of coach do you want in this role? It's, you know, there are two, two obvious ways to go here. One is to hire somebody with a local connection that you believe really wants this job in particular, isn't going to use it as a stepping stone, wants to put down roots and hang around. And, you know, then we're talking about Dutcher, Musselman, people like that. Um, and listen, Dutcher and Musselman, and, and I could name three other people like that, are excellent coaches. I'm not going to diminish their value. I would just say if you're Mark Coyle and you've been at Syracuse and you've been at Kentucky and you have connections elsewhere, don't limit yourself to just the minute. These, what do we see from almost all local media as soon as Patino's job is known to be in trouble? Everybody who ever dribbled a basketball in Minnesota is on the list, and nobody who you know hasn't eaten at the Dinah Grill is on the <laughs> list. You know, it's all locals. Well, don't limit yourself. You know, I mean, why would you limit yourself if you think this program can actually win? If I, so, I guess my point is. If you think Dutcher or Musselman or somebody with a Minnesota connection is absolutely the best coach you can hire, hire them. But don't hire them just because all the locals are telling you they need a local because PJ Fleck wasn't a local. And I, in fact, my, you know, you know how this business works. My early column today before the news broke was basically making this point. I'm saying, look around at the people who have done the best in Minnesota. Uh, you know, I mean, the last six major sports championships won in this town were by two people from New Jersey, uh, Tom <laughs> Kelly and Cheryl sure, Reeve. Okay. Yeah. Don't just don't limit yourself by this with this provincial thinking. Well, and Coyle has kind of gone both ways, right? With his high profile hires so far, PJ Fleck had no local connections at all, but Bob Motzko obviously did. And so did Lindsey Whalen. So, you know, we, I don't know if we get in there, get any clues necessarily from what he's done already, but I think you're right. You, you, you shouldn't presume that this is going to be, a coach with local ties. I don't, I don't think being from Minnesota necessarily, maybe Lindsay Whalen is an exception, right? Cause she's got one of the greatest athletes to come out of this state, all sorts of local credibility from playing with the links, playing with the Gophers, playing in the Olympics. But just because you would hire 
a if say you hire Dutcher, that doesn't necessarily mean he's just going to go and be able to recruit magically recruit Minnesota better right. than some somebody else who just happens to be a good recruiter, right? It, so you 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 can't just limit yourself in that way. I agree, and and I also think Musco and Whalen and Fleck are com- three com- just such different cases. You know, sure. I mean, I mean, you know, I think Gopher football is a major revenue driver, and it was really important for Coyle to make a hire that indicated he wasn't just going to be looking for, you know, again, because listen, Jerry Kill, if you remember that hiring process, he was about the eighth choice. Now yeah. he did very well under the circumstances, you know, he did even probably even better than Patino did under the circumstances, but they kind of settled for Kill and they were lucky that he turned out he could coach. They settled for Patino and they were lucky he turned out he could coach well enough to at least hang around. Fleck was a home run hire, you know, even if you don't like PJ Fleck, you have to admire the fact that they went out and got a guy who was considered by many the top coaching prospect on the market, and a young guy, or ambitious guy, and all that. You know, Lindsey Whalen's unique. Uh, right. You get one shot to hire her as a University of Minnesota basketball coach. And even if it doesn't work out, you'll say that was worth trying. And Motsko, you know, I, he, Motsko and Sandlin, I thought were the easily the two best candidates take over this job. And I'm not a provincial thinker. I just thought they were both excellent coaches and Sandal and they were going to hire somebody in their own system. And I just think Moscow's was just a logical hire. This feels to me more like a flex situation where Coyle's going to want to make a real statement. Or I, I apologize. I hate that cliche. He's not going to want to make a statement. He's going to want to make a home run hire here. And you can't just think locally if you're going to make a home run hire. Is there a home run hire to you that they can go out and get, or do we still have to wait and see how that unfolds? I don't know. I mean, I, I really think it's going to come down to either someone like Dutcher or Musselman, who are very good coaches, um, co- and or he's going to hire somebody who reminds us of Fleck, okay. somebody who has started half success at a smaller school, might be on their way to someplace bigger, and Coyle's going to get them while he can get them and hope that he can keep them around. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Patino just dealing with him? I mean, he, he's, he's been great. I mean, just to, in, in terms of a pure, pure person to deal with, I, I feel like, I think I saw someone tweet this and I want to, maybe it was Nadine Babu. Is there something, something about the effect of nobody that she's hearing from is happy about this necessarily, right? Like sometimes people get hired and people, sometimes people get fired and people are, are excited. They're like, yeah, I can't, I'm glad that person's gone. Finally, that person's out of here. I don't get the sense that people feel that way about Patino, specifically Patino, the person, maybe they're ready to move on, but I don't, I didn't sense a genuine, I didn't sense a dislike of Patino in this market, especially, you know, I think the fan base got frustrated with the losing, but the person himself, I don't feel like people are frustrated with that. Yeah, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, and I, there's actually a line in my column, the Tuesday paper that says exactly this. You know, there, so many revenue sport college coaches are just tyrants. They can, they know they can get away with being jerks. They know they can get away with not being accessible, with not answering questions, with being bullies. And Patino's never like that. I, I really appreciate somebody in his position being human and answering a straight question with a straight answer. And even when it came to his job in a situation, yeah. he, just told me, he just tell you what was on his mind. So I really appreciated that about him. I will miss that about him. And I wish the guy well. Yep. hundred percent. Jim Suhan, great stuff. Appreciate you hopping on to daily delivery. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll check in. Uh, we'll check in with you down the road as the story, story develops. Okay. Great. Michael, thank you. Take care. Thanks. See ya. 
Good talking to Jim Suhan. Read his column, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. His basic point in that column, hey, don't blame Richard Pitino. He was hired into a kind of a crazy situation, and he did okay for himself in this job. You, you might not think it was great, but uh, it, it wasn't as bad as you might think. So good, good stuff from Jim, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely hear from him down the line as this coaching search advances a little bit further. Let's get to a few of your questions and statements uh, about Richard Pitino, and I'll kind of address them. Uh, hopefully these aren't things I've covered already. Uh, at JK12 Minnesota says, with a little better luck, Pitino could have had a couple Sweet 16 teams at least. I think that's a stretch, a couple Sweet 16 teams at least. That feels like a stretch to me. I, don't, I, I think that would have taken a lot of luck, not a little bit of luck. Um, I think... The, the team two years ago that beat Louisville and then lost to Michigan State, um, that, that was some bad luck. That, that team might have gone further had they, you know, had they had a full complement of players available to them. And maybe you're talking about the team that, that lost to Middle Tennessee State. You know, they, they, lose, they lose key players to injuries before some pretty important um, NCAA tournament games, but would they really have beaten Michigan State even with a fully healthy team a couple years ago? I, I don't think so. Would they have? They maybe they beat Middle Tennessee State, um, you know, the couple of years before that in, in the first round. But did they really beat Butler? I don't think so. Tom wants to know how much money has the U of M spent on buyouts on sports coaches' contracts over the past thirty years? That's a good one. Um, I don't think this is an exhaustive list. Patino's buyout was one point seven five million. Unclear exactly how much of that the U will end up paying, especially if Patino, you know, does land on another another job here. And we might know that very soon. Um, but, you know, going back, Tubby Smith, $2.5 million. Uh, Tim Brewster was 750000 Tracy Clays was 500000 although that number was a much larger number because a lot of his staff members were also let go in the process and their contracts were guaranteed for the following season. So that one ended up being you know, several million if you add up all of those. Glenn Mason, $3.6 million. And these are the figures that were reported at the time. Again, I'm not sure if those full amounts got paid out, if, if other coaches took other jobs at some point that offset some of that. But, you know, if, you, if you're adding all of those up, you know, we're well beyond $10 million. And that's kind of the cost of doing business. Uh, but it also kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, especially in the pandemic economy. You're seeing programs cut here. I don't think they're insensitive to that. I think they understand, though, that it's the cost of doing business right now and that if you want to move on from a coach, you know, and let's face it, Richard Pitino, the, if, if you look at one of the reasons he was probably let go, there's going to be fans probably back in the stands next season. Attendance was lagging under under Richard Pitino. Fan, the fan base was not fired up for what was going on here. So, you know, if you look at the big picture of all that, I think you can start to see why this all happened at this point. Chris says, how can Iowa have four Division I programs, all of which make it at least remotely interesting, a remotely interesting run once a decade, and we only have one, and we can't put together anything resembling a decent run in 25 years? That's, a, that's, that's the one that really sticks with people, right? Because you figure this is the only D1 program in the state they should be able to recruit to this school. You know, St. Thomas is going to be coming in soon to join them as a D1 program, but they've had the run of this whole state for a long time. Why can't they recruit better? Well, I think it's there's two things. One, I think when you are the only one Division One program in the state, you become kind of, it becomes a, a lot of pressure for a recruit to come here. And maybe there's an opposite effect that happens where there's going to be such a microscope that people maybe want to leave. And the second problem is until you have that sustain, sustained success, it's hard to recruit consistently even within your borders. So 
it's going to take one cycle of either really, really great recruiting in-state where a top class or tier of, of athlete wants to come here, or you're going to have to coach up a group that has a sustained level of success so you can then go out and get that next level of player. Tim says, in light of the recent Strib story on lack of diversity in the athletic department, do you anticipate a concerted effort to try to recruit candidates to address that? I sure hope so. We talked about this on a podcast recently, uh, that, that story by Megan Ryan a couple weeks ago. Really, really good story highlighting how there are no people of color in head coaching roles or uh, as the athletic director or as president at the University of Minnesota, the only school in the Big Ten where that is the case. I sure hope this search is exhaustive. I sure hope this search um, un- unearths, or I shouldn't even say unearths because that means it's hard to find. It's not hard to find. That brings out some qualified, really good candidates of color. I think you see some in the names we've listed already, in particular Dennis Gates from Cleveland State. Will that person end up being hired? I'm not sure. I sure hope I sure hope that that they they really take a good hard look at this though and they they understand what the problem is here at this school and that if they can go and and rectify that situation with this search right now they should go do that. Let's end with the cooler. Dan says might be the most popular fired coach ever. Yeah. He's a good guy. I really like talking to Richard Patino, really like dealing with him over the years. It's kind of a shame when somebody who seems like a genuinely interesting and funny and good person and this isn't just selfishly speaking from the media like you like to see the good guys you know win and 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 have success so when that doesn't happen yeah it's unfortunate you don't like to see that but that is the reality right now and you know as, as good of a person as he was he just didn't get it done from a basketball standpoint that'll do it for today thanks for listening to daily delivery later this week i'll talk to Lindsay whale and good program examination of the women's basketball team Also have Ryan Longwell on our show to talk about the Vikings' long-term kicking problems. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about this job opening now that this is official. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you on Wednesday.